All right, welcome. If you have made it this far to the final recording of our FOJ Helps for Sent Into the World, you did it. Hopefully, you are listening to this not too much longer after 10 weeks uh, since you began this journey. And I'm so excited that you're here. This is a really, really exciting lesson because we have just finished um, rebirth, repentance, and baptism. So hopefully the people that you have studied with have seriously considered what it means to be reborn, what it means to be serious about Jesus and about following him and about true repentance and what true repentance looks like. Before we jump into the scriptures, I want to invite you to really think about the person that you're about to study this, to do this study with. Um, If this is someone that you have been studying the Bible with and they are not yet serious about Jesus, serious about making him the Lord of their life, um, I would put a pin in this study and um, not move forward with studying, with doing this specific study with them. Uh, The reason I say that is because this one in particular is really for people who are committing to Jesus committing to knowing him and making him known. Um, So that doesn't mean you need to be, you know, judge and jury about where they're at. You can really take their word for it. But if this is someone who is still exploring Jesus, I think you can hold off on doing this um, so that hopefully um, they do come to a serious faith and repentance and love for Jesus. And at that time, I would move forward and do this study. Um, But if they're not there, then um, just come back to this another time. But if the person you're studying with is there, they have really made a commitment to Jesus, um, or perhaps, you know, they had made a commitment to Jesus before you even started, um, wherever or whenever that happened, um, this is a a really neat and meaningful way to conclude this um, study that you've been doing together. So we will go ahead and jump in. The first scripture is one that is typically called the Great Commission. It's probably one that you are familiar with. So given that you and possibly the person that you have studied with um, knows this scripture probably reasonably well, um, I think it can be easy to kind of gloss over it and not pay attention to the words and what's really going on. Uh, So we're going to do that now. So I always like to ask people um, when there's a therefore in a scripture, what is it there for? So in verse 18, it says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So I would discuss like, what is this therefore? Therefore, Um, this is because Jesus has been given all authority. Something else that I would highlight and discuss with them is this role um, that we have been given to make disciples and to baptize them, um, to invite them into the possibility that in their ministry, they might be a part of someone's baptism or rebirth. Um, and finally, I think it's really important to connect for people that Jesus is saying, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. I think that's very different than Jesus saying, teach them everything I have commanded you. One of those is really about 
uh, mental ascent, a head knowledge. And one of them is about discipling people and teaching them how to live a life of obedience. So I would have them uh, draw out that distinction, have them uh, draw out that distinction. What's the difference between teaching someone the things Jesus has commanded and teaching them to obey those things? I think it's really meaningful that this scripture closes out with Jesus uh, promising his presence with us, that as we go and make disciples, that he is with us to the end of the age. Um, That's a meaningful promise and assurance and asking people, how does this change how you think about this command? How does Jesus being with you influence how you think about this command? It's one thing for Jesus to tell us to go do something. It's quite another thing for him to tell us to go do something and he will be with us the whole time. Our next chapter, uh, I'm sorry, our next scripture, um, the second one there uh, comes from John 17. This is a long section of Jesus praying for different people and groups in the Garden of Gethsemane before he is crucified. So often in you know, even in our day and age, thinking about someone's last words is usually of great importance, you know, famous last words. So these are some of Jesus' last words. Um, They're um, a prayer to his father. And this specific section is a prayer for his disciples. Um, So he is praying for them. And one of the things he says is, um, they are not of this world any more than I am of this world. I think that is a powerful point of discussion. What does it mean that we are not of this world just as Jesus is not of this world? And really draw that out. What are the implications of that? What does that mean for us? He also talks about being sanctified by the truth. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So what does it mean to be sanctified? What does it mean for us to be sanctified by the truth? And how do we go about that? Obviously here, Jesus is praying um, that that would happen to us. uh, But how can we really join him in our own sanctification? He says that he has sent them into the world just as he was sent into the world. So again, I would unpack what are the implications of that? Jesus was sent into the world and he has existed from the beginning and and came down from his heavenly dominion and came into the world to save humanity. And we are sent into the world in the same way. So what does that mean for this specific person that you're studied with? Who might they be sent to currently? Um, Are there specific people maybe in their family or in their classes or in different groups that they're in or among their friends? Who have they been sent to? And what does it look like to leave the comfortable situation they're currently in to go be sent to them? Um, We often have to leave somewhere comfortable when we're being sent somewhere. I think it's good to highlight, I'm kind of bouncing around a little bit, but just the the significance of Jesus giving us the full measure of his joy within us um, and how I think this world, you know, we are promised that we will have trouble, but that we can take heart that Jesus has overcome the world. So as sent people, we will face trouble and hardship, but Jesus has given us the full measure of his joy. Third scripture comes from 1 Peter chapter 2. 
Um, so this is, um, you know, a letter from Peter, a real admonition to um, a specific people. And this one is really, really meaningful. He starts with saying, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. I would want to talk about each one of these because I do think it also maps out the history of Israel. Um, that Israel started out as a chosen people, then they were a priesthood and a nation and God's special possession. And now that is being communicated as something that we as uh, Gentile believers are also a part of. What do each of those mean to God and what have they meant um, over the course of the scriptures? All of these are true that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So this is kind of like a another kind of therefore, like there's a cause and effect here. You are all of these things, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a chosen people, not as a, an end in and of itself, um, but so that you can declare the praises of God to really draw people in. So I would invite people to think through how is their faith drawing other people in? How are they drawing people out of the darkness and into the light? Uh, and how might they do so in the future? He talks a little bit later um, about just this kind of before and after. Once you were not a people, now you're the people of God. Once you would not receive mercy, now you've received mercy. Um, so I think inviting this person that you've gotten to know over the past few weeks to really reflect with you on kind of their before and after. What were you before you came to Jesus and what are you now? Maybe they're a person who has been a Christian basically their whole lives. They, they don't have a, you know, in their, from their eyes, maybe they don't have a very significant before and after. Invite them to think through what has it been like going through this study and thinking through their faith more seriously. What were things like for them before and what are things like now? I think reflecting on that can really compel us to be more serious about being sent into the world. Um, he talks about us being foreigners and exiles and to abstain from sinful desires. So what does it mean to be a foreigner and an exile among um, natives, I suppose? What does that mean? What does that look like? What are the implications of that for us? Foreigners and exiles live different lives than people who are natives. So if we are not of this world, how do we live that out? Um, he also encourages us to live such good lives among the pagans that the oh, all I'm sorry, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So this implies that there will be some interaction with people who are not serious about Jesus um, in their lives. So number one, do they have that? And number two, how are they acting um, with those people? So maybe in work or in, um, in your classes, how are we living good lives um, that will ultimately bring glory to God, um, even if the people that we're living among don't ever come to faith in Jesus? The next scripture is 2 Corinthians 5. Um, so we start there with um, Christ's love compels us. So I think it's important to outline what does it mean to be compelled to do something? He says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who should, those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So this is a powerful depiction of this death and this new life. 
So asking how have you died to yourself and how are you now living for Christ? It says, we now on, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. So what does it mean to regard someone from a worldly point of view? What does it mean to regard Christ from a worldly point of view? Because he's saying we used to do that. We don't do that anymore. And again, we have this before and after. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Wow. Okay, so what is reconciliation and what does it mean that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation? This is big stuff. Christ wants to reconcile the world to himself. He wants people who are enemies of the cross to come to know and love him. And he has entrusted us with that ministry. That is serious and powerful and important. So how can we be agents of reconciliation in this world? This is our ministry and one that we ought to take ownership of. He says we are Christ's ambassadors as though Christ were making his appeal through us. Okay, so again, what does it mean to be an ambassador for something? Um, We have American ambassadors all over the world in different embassies, and they represent our country to foreign lands. So what they do reflects, you know, things about our culture and what we value and who we are as a country. And so the same thing is true as Christ's ambassadors. And how faithfully are we living as Christ's ambassadors? That wherever I go, I am making the case for Christ and his reconciliation. I think about um, going on field trips growing up, how our teachers, I don't know if you guys had this, but would say when we are on a field trip, you are representing our school. So if you act a fool, everyone's going to think that all the students at our school are this way. Um, And they kind of drilled that into us. So now I am drilling that into you. Um, Not that we can never make mistakes or never uh, mess up. Obviously, that's, you know, that's certainly not the case. But it is serious that we're Christ's ambassadors and that ought to impact how we live. Our last scripture comes from Romans 8. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. What does it mean to be a child of God? To be an heir? That is really powerful to be someone's kid. So we're not slaves. We don't live in fear. We've been adopted to sonship. So I would talk through that. What does it mean that we're God's kids, that we're his heirs, that we are co-heirs with Christ? What does it mean to be adopted? And, you know, good adoptive parents, how do they treat their kids um, versus their natural born kids, whatever? You know, good parents, there is no difference. I'm your parent, you're my kid, and everything I have is yours. It's important that this scripture ends with saying we are co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So being sent into the world, there will be suffering for Christ. Of course, there's suffering that just happens as a result of being human. All of us um, eventually die. All of us experience pain. There's a lot of suffering in the human experience. But this is speaking specifically about the sufferings that come as a part of being a Christian, suffering with Christ. And if we share in those sufferings, we will also share in his glory. So are you prepared to do that? What do you think that suffering might look like in your life? 
Obviously, we can't predict the future or anything like that. But for some of these students that you're spending time with, some of their suffering is going to be much more acute than suffering that maybe you or I have faced. Obviously, I don't know you who is listening to this. So maybe your suffering has been very acute. But some students are risking significant relationships with their families. Some of them are risking significant estrangement from their country of origin or their religion of origin. And that is going to be some profound suffering. And I think it is um, not very thoughtful of us to really help people to weigh that and to consider that. And then also to look at the glory that is coming. So um, now when uh, we are done with this part, um, you can ask this discussion question at the bottom, considering everything you have learned through this study, what will your ministry look like when you go out in the world to make disciples? So help them think out loud and really dream big for God. I don't think that every single person is called to pastoral ministry. I don't think every single person is called to do the focus apprenticeship or to be a campus pastor. Uh, But I do think we are all called to be Christ's ambassadors. For some people, that looks like being a healthcare worker. For some people, that looks like being a stay-at-home mom. For some people, that looks like being a janitor and a sanitation worker or someone who cuts people's hair or the millions of jobs I literally have never even heard of and don't know that those exist. But what does it look like for your ministry in those situations and in those settings? So what you're going to do next is there's a few pages of uh, kind of for further study and assessment for the person you're studying with to go through. Um, It's a few pages long, so it's going to take them a while. Um, But I would plan a time in the next week or two to get together again to discuss this Um, because this is some really meaningful um, self-examination and reflection and I think really sets them up for success um, for the next season in their life and in their discipleship. Um, It invites them to to set uh, 20 spiritual goals and invites them to think through people in their lives who don't know Jesus. It invites people to think through the needs that they see around them. There's some meaningful um, quotes in there and some assessment on what have you given up for the kingdom. So definitely don't just like you know, go in peace. See you later. We'll never talk about this again. I would definitely meet up, uh, set a time then and there to discuss uh, that for that homework together. After that, in the study, we have a what's next section. If you want to continue to meet with this person, there's some ideas there for things that you can do. And um, then they'll be done and you'll be done but I hope that your relationship with them will continue and that you would empower them to think through who are you going to study this with next? Now that we're done, who are you planning on studying with? So I'm so proud of you for getting through this audio and for getting through this study. You did amazing. I'm sure you have made a significant difference in someone's life. So proud of you. Love you. 